This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, and great to be joined right now by Wharton Marketing Professor Americus Reed, who you also hear as host of Marketing Matters every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time right here on Sirius XM. 132 Americas, it's been a while. Great to talk to you again, sir. Great to talk to you as well, sir. Really appreciate you. Love your show. It is best in class in terms of really providing the the best, most important news. So keep doing the fantastic work, sir. Thank you very much. Um, So the the topic of brand, Mm -hmm. and, and I know you've talked a lot about this, and we know that companies think about it a lot. It's my perception, though, that it feels like companies are thinking about it even more right now. And maybe it's the impact from the pandemic, uh, obviously some of the other things we see going on in our culture right now. How are you reading companies' focus on brand? That's a great question, Dan. I think it's huge. I think your intuition is absolutely correct. I think post-pandemic, people have come out of being sheltered in place, really thinking about, what do I care about? I was disrupted. My life was disrupted. And now I have to think deeply about what do I stand for? What do I care about? What's really important in my life? And so now is a big opportunity for brands to kind of redefine themselves and make deeper kinds of connections with consumers because consumers are in this state of heightened self-awareness about what's really important to them. And so we're seeing a lot of brands really lean into the notion of a meaning system, the notion of why do I exist, the notion of how am I making the planet better. Broader kinds of questions that are built into the brand's DNA are rising to the surface now with brands because consumers care about that, but brands also know that this is a way that I can continue to forge really deep, powerful, emotional connections with consumers as well. And so for a lot of companies, that has required a big change in terms of the structure and the thinking uh, of their firms. Others probably a little bit smaller, but still it's an important shift that they've had to make. It's a huge shift that they have to, that they have had to make, Dan, just like you're saying. And it's important because if you want to survive in a marketplace where competition is getting fierce and you want to avoid a race to the bottom in terms of just matching features, you have to be able to come out and say something else about a reason to exist, a reason to connect, a reason to resonate, a reason to be a part of that brand community. And I think brands are saying, listen, we have to unpack the sociological implications as to why we can potentially connect with consumers so that we can forge a relationship that's not just based on the features and the stuff, but also can connect them with how they desire to self-express with the products and brands and services that they use. So when a company does have a brand failure, how much of a challenge is it for them to recover and kind of get back to where they were? That's a great question. It's actually a trick question, Dan. I love that question. The answer is it depends on how much work and how much social goodwill they've been depositing into the bank in terms of developing these deeper sorts of relationships. If you have a strong brand who knows who it is, who articulates their why, who has a deep sort of self-expressive, almost identity-loyal sort of connection with their consumers, they're going to get more degrees of freedom when they make mistakes because they've, they have forged a psychological connection with their consumers. And if a person sees the brand as part of who they are, they will forgive that brand much more easily than if they don't. So brands that are smart are actually creating these relationships because it allows consumers to defend them, to, to come up with a psychological rationalization as to why they should stay in, as a member of that tribe, even though the brand might have made uh, a, a few missteps. So then the numbers of potential touch points where a company may have to deal with a brand failure 
have probably multiplied in the last few years as well. That's 100% correct. I mean, it, the the idea, Dan, is exactly what you intuitively point to, which is the notion that we, are we consumers, are co-creating our brands in real time with these companies. So because we're walking around with a little cell phone in our pocket, it's a little miniature computer, we're all instant journalists, we're instant uh, creators, we're instant documenters of whatever is going on in terms of those brands in the marketplace. So we have to be able to step in and control and be a part of that co-creation narrative, that co-experience with consumers if we're smart brands. And so the brands that realize this are making it easier to co-create with their consumers because they understand that they have to give up a little bit of that control to be ultimately successful in the future. And they also have to be aware of the different impacts on the different platforms because different platforms uh, will have different impacts as well. That's 100% correct. I mean, we see right now, we see LinkedIn, we see Twitter, we see Facebook, we see Instagram, we see TikTok. These are very different, uh, different ways that content can be delivered, and they probably correspond or correlate with very different audiences as well. So you have to be pretty savvy as a brand with respect to understanding where is my core consumer on these platforms. And it probably makes sense to lean in on the various platforms where your audience is most most engaged in terms of the content that you're trying to give them. How then do companies continue to develop that brand while at the same time tackling some of those bigger social issues that are out there? Well, it's it's a tricky it's tricky because the idea of purpose marketing uh, and its effectiveness over time or, or connecting in terms of ideological sorts of things is contingent on really understanding who your core consumer is and have you done that sociological work to really know them at a deep level if you haven't you might make mistakes of like we've seen companies who have done who have had missteps because they didn't really understand the core consumer and who have done things from a brand building perspective that that core consumer saw as antithetical to what they thought the brand was all about so in those situations you know those are missteps that are hard to recover from but if you're a really smart marketer and you really understand who your customer is you've done all that hard sociological work to understand them at a deeper level, and you know that the types of ideological positions that you might choose to build your brand around, social justice, whatever these things are, DEI, ESG, whatever these things are, that you're able to do that successfully because you already know that customer is aligned with those sorts of values. So when you make that choice to become a purpose-driven marketer, you, you, you've taken into account that risk, and you've built that into the brand building process that you're trying to undertake. But don't we also have to, you know, kind of, you know, keep it in the thought process as a lot of this plays out that still in the end, while the company may very well be, you know, looking to advance in a lot of these areas, they're trying to do so uh, with benefits to their bottom line quarter to quarter. 100 percent. I mean, you can't ignore the, the realities of the stakeholders that are putting money and in, in, in keeping the brand alive. I think the smarter thing to be able to do is to recognize that there's a, a return on investment in terms of pursuing these sorts of things. There's a big upside if you do it correctly, and there's also a big downside if you do it incorrectly. So I think it's important if the company is, is or the brand product service organization is highly clear about its articulation of its purpose and, and these ideological and or uh, additional sorts of points of view that it wants to build into the brand, that they have they have essentially vetted this across the various stakeholders that would be at play. So again, everything has to be in alignment. It has to be the consumer has to be in alignment with the brand. The brand has to be in alignment with stakeholders. And then the overall cohesiveness of the marketplace has to all play out with that sort of singular alignment in terms of really defining who you are and articulating your appropriate vision and ethos that you have for your brand. 
does does this conversation then expand as we move forward uh, with the role that AI is going to play on a lot of these fronts? I think so. I think artificial intelligence and AI and all of these like newer tools allow us to be become much better at crafting our messages. So one can imagine a role that automation of these messages would play with respect to developing communications that are vetted to be consistent against brand ethos. And if that sort of automated, uh, sort of automatic sort of connection or protocol is facilitated and helped by AI, then that helps companies because all of that psychic energy that would be going to making sure that uh, communication and messages are consistent and spot on can be done uh, with AI, then that frees up other resources to work on other more strategic things that also aid in the brand building process. What's the message that, that, that you have seen and been delivering lately around the importance of brand right now? Oh, I love that question, Dan. I think the the biggest message is to not make the mistake of thinking that the brand is just simply the tagline, the logo, the colors on the website. The brand is a true asset. And if you invest in the brand and you create a very deep, well-articulated, clear, and richly understood meaning system, in addition to the external markers, you're on the right path. So, you know, simply just changing something doesn't doesn't make it a rebrand. A, a branding is is a branding process is a much more serious scholarly activity because you're trying to really define what is my ethos, my mission, what do I stand for, and how do I make sure that that clear articulation of that brand is reinforced and affirmed at all points in which I touch the consumer in his or her day-to-day life. How much do you think then that small businesses also uh, focus on this more and more? Well, I think they should. If they're not, they're making a huge mistake, Dan, because even especially in in a smaller context, there's the opportunity to build strong relational roots for small businesses in their own neighborhoods and communities. So if they're not focused on brand, that's a huge error because I think the power of the brand in situations with smaller sorts of companies is even greater and is even more amplified because there's an opportunity to, to build super strong concrete relationships in the community through the brand and the kinds of activities yeah. and uh, signaling those, those things that are important to the brand. And that's even more important for a small business context. America's great to talk to you again. Thanks very much. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Love your show. Keep doing the great work. Thank you, sir. Wharton Marketing Professor Americus Reed, host of Marketing Matters every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern Time here on Sirius XM 132. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.